Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Welcome to our show this week. It's Shannon White. I am the pastor for spiritual development here at Round Hill Community Church. It's a new title starting June 1st, so I'm really glad to be here. Today, Leslie's taking a little sidestep so that I can interview one of my friends and colleagues, the Reverend Dr. Terlyn Curry Avery. Welcome, Terlyn. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so good to be here. Great to have you on. And, you know, I've been thinking about having you on for for ever since I've been here at Round Hill it, to have this conversation. You and I have done a similar interview on your radio show. But let me just let our audience know, our audience is both a viewing audience as well as a listening audience. The Reverend Dr. Terrilyn Curry Avery is what she calls a pastologist. That's a new term. It was a new term for me. She's an ordained minister and a licensed psychologist. And she's an author as well, two times now. Um, Her latest book we'll talk about in a moment, but she's also the author of Sacred Intelligence, The Essence of Sacred, Selfish, and Shared Relationships. She is currently the pastor of Martin Luther King Jr. Community Presbyterian Church in Springfield, Massachusetts, and that's how I know her from our connection through Presbyterian circles. So welcome, my friend. Um, So first of all, tell us, you had a big event at your church just this last was it just this last? No, a year um, ago. Actually, right, right. It was December, yeah, December 28, 2020. So at the end of the year. So uh, if the pandemic wasn't enough, if, if both the COVID pandemic and the racial pandemic, let's uh, acknowledge that that's a pandemic as well, our church was actually burned. And it was burned as a result of a hate crime. Uh, the individual drove five hours to make sure that they burned our church down. And so we are in the process. It takes a long time to to rebuild. We're in the process of rebuilding the edifice. Uh, We have had the, of course, the challenge of it being a hate crime, burning down our church because, you know, the individual does not like Blacks or... um, uh, I believe you said Mexicans. I'm not quite sure uh, of the other ethnic group, but um, the fact of the matter is, is that we live in a country where racism is very alive and well. And I believe that as a result of the last several years, really what was hidden underneath is now surfacing. So uh, I just want to point out in 2008, there was another church burned in that area as well, burned to the ground. So, you know, we're really talking about every so many years, there's a church being burned. And and we also know there were other churches burned around the time that uh, my church was burned as well. I think there was one in New York. Um, it didn't burn down, but there was some damage as well. So we're living in very difficult times. Indeed. And so first of all, how is your congregation and how did they, how have you helped them through this extraordinary time? Yeah. So it helps that I am a pastologist, right? It helps that I have the skills of a psychologist as well as a minister. And so really 
we walked through this mourning period, you know, where I wanted to make sure that they could mourn the loss that was there, that they could make sure that they were dealing with um, the fact that it was a hate crime. But from a spiritual perspective, I've always kept us at a high because what I understand is how important faith is to help us through these very difficult times, but help us through uh, racism in particular to allow us to know that that was a church building. We, in fact, are the church. And so we are called to continue to move forward. And Shannon, you and I both know that there is a scripture that says, all things work together for the good of those who have loved the Lord and who are called according to God's purpose. And some of the wonderful things that have come out of this horrible tragedy, it, um, we have connected with so many other churches who have been more than um, generous in their donations, but also connected at a different levels. Churches within our presbytery, for instance, who would have never connected with us, who are now connecting with us on a deeper level, wanting to understand racism, wanting to understand how they can help people in our community. So really it's just been beautiful. And also people in the Springfield community have come uh, to our aid and have gathered with us as well. So God is doing some amazing things, even in the midst of a tragedy. Someone once used the phrase, a gift poorly wrapped. Um, and, you know, you have certainly made the best of this and seen the good in it, if there is any good in it. Um, but so much work to be done. And that's really the heart of your work, right? You're working on anti-racism. Yes. And you do that not only in your congregation, but you do that online, too. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, so thank you for what you're doing and thank you for the generosity of spirit that you have can, that you continue to show to people to white congregations predominantly white congregations to help educate them and help them along in their efforts um, in anti-racism efforts so thank you for that um, talk to me about how your congregation felt the impact of Buffalo because it was, it affected each and every person differently, but I would imagine to communities of color, particularly just to know the impact again, somebody who drove multiple hours to go target that community because they were people of color and African-American particularly. Mm -hmm. So um, to be fair, I have to say in terms of the response to Buffalo, I actually was a bit under the weather right after the Buffalo incident. So I wasn't even at church um, that following day. And because it lasted for a while, I, I wasn't able to connect with the church um, as well as I would normally connect with them. And then unfortunately we had the tragedy of the, uh, the babies, really their babies slaughtered. And so what we actually did was I had a vigil so that I could work with individuals around how they were feeling as a result of all of the incidents that were occurring. Because if you will remember, there was the incident in the Taiwanese church in California as well. And so it does not go unnoticed that all of these were communities of 
color where these incidents were happening. So what I did was during the prayer vigil is I took them through a process of uh, breathing that I always do and just connecting people with God, connecting people with their power and calling on them to do what they can for, um, for gun violence, actually. And I also took a pulse of how they were doing psychologically and just went through some things about these are some feelings that you may experience as a result of this. And now what do we do? What are the actions we can take? Because part of what has to happen whenever you do any work around healing and anti-racism is that you deal with what the issues are, but then there's this opportunity to talk about what are the action steps. So you allow people time to grieve, you allow people time to connect with their feeling, but you don't stop there. You have to, to have to move forward. And that's what we're hearing here in our community too at Round Hill, that you know, after these shootings, people are saying, okay, enough time for vigil kinds of things, let's do something. So we are doing that um, this week and we're doing it again on an interfaith basis here at the church on, the, on June 22nd. So we'll be con- uh, gathering with other communities of faith here in the community. So mm-hmm. that whole movement that you were just talking about really is the basis for your new book, Dismantling Racism, yes. Healing Separation from the Inside Out. It's a wonderful book. I encourage people to pick up a copy of this on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. But you talk about that whole thing of being in touch with your, your inner, your sacred intelligence. So talk Talk to us, because that might be a new term for, for some folks. Well, I'm sure it is. <laughs> so sacred intelligence, and it actually it comes from being a pastor and a psychologist as well, merging two things that I desperately uh, love. Both I, I love being both of those things. And so what I identify it as is really what you would probably say the Holy Spirit. So it is about going inward and listening to your divine wisdom, listening to that sacred part of you that will guide you and that will direct you to make choices that are intelligent, choices that will manifest your greatness while helping other folks manifest their greatness. So it's it's going inward so that you will be able to express outwardly the things that you are called to do. It's what guides me every single day with the work that I do on racism and as being a pastor. Indeed. And you really talk a lot in here about knowing your why. So your your target audience, would you say, would be people who are already leaders in this movement or people that are... So it's very interesting. I wrote the book, yes, for leaders. I wrote the book for specifically for white leaders who say that they want to do the work of anti-racism and then get overwhelmed with it. Because this is tough stuff. Yeah. And so the book is really about the sacred intelligence journey of faith. How do you have the faith to move forward? And it's not about proselytizing. It really is about faith in something higher than yourself, faith in yourself that you can do the work, and faith in a shared movement. And so even though it is written for leaders, Anyone can pick up this book who decides. It could be a student and they say, this is the work that I want to do. 
it actually will help them to become a better leader because I do talk about the why, Shannon, and that why I describe as your sacred motive. What is the thing that's driving you? Because it can't be because you want to be a part of the crowd, that you want to march, that you want to have a vigil, you know, when another black person is killed or gun violence. That's temporary. You've got to understand what connects you with the work of doing um, dismantling racism. And, And I purposely use the term dismantling racism. I know it's overwhelming. But when we think about anti-racism, I'd rather speak more about what we want. And so that anti and that push is really about each of us doing our own part to chip away at racism. Because I know it's overwhelming to think about it. It's a very helpful framing. And I like how you, um, in your book, you actually give reflection questions at the end kind of to keep people on track. I really... uh, I went back through this morning before coming on with you and I picked out a couple of things. One, you say, you die a slow death when you live in a world of sameness that is characterized by the advancement and privileges of some at the expense of others. That is the plight of so many people who live in white majority communities, right? Yes, yes. So there is a cost to us because some people would say, well, why do I need to do this work? I'm not faced with people of color around me. I live in mostly a white neighborhood, but there is a slow death that comes. Yes. And just think about it. Well, just think about it, Shannon. If you're never exposed to anything new, and I don't mean when you go to the islands and walk on the beach just for a few minutes and get your hair braided or whatever people decide to do, that's a fun time that you've had. But did you really immerse yourself in the culture? And so when you think about your day-to-day experiences of being able to connect with someone who differs from you racially, you grow exponentially. You grow in your understanding of what is happening in the world to other people, and you grow and you open up to ways in which you can offer yourself to other people. But when I think about my culture, we have so much to offer to the world. And not just music and, 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 and athletic skills, but just our cultural in general. And from what I know, when I've interacted with folks who, white folks in particular, I mean, my gosh, uh, their world opens up so much, even just by asking me questions about my culture. But here's the thing that I want people to understand. Whatever impacts me impacts you. So I give this example, during the school year, my daughters, both, um, one just graduated, but they both uh, attended HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. There were multiple bomb threats that were called throughout the year. How does that impact a white person? Because your tax dollars pay for the bomb squad, the FBI, the police force, all of that. So you are dying even economically and don't realize it. So I think that um, white people need to take a step back and say, what does this cost me psychologically, spiritually, financially, even medically, because you may choose not to go to a doctor who is of color, but may not be conscious of why you're choosing not to. And so I, I talk about all of those things actually when I, in one of my classes, because there's so much 
for us to talk about, but there are, even your company, their cost for these corporations, when they don't address issues of racism, there, there are many, many costs to them when that happens. Oh, it's so true. And it really is about relationship, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it comes it down to relationship. Who are your friends? Yes. And who do you have around your dinner table? Or That's who do right. you, right? Um, I'm grateful for your friendship, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish we lived closer together. Yes. <laughs> Tara Lynn's in Springfield, Massachusetts. So, um, No, I don't, live, I don't live in Springfield, but we're still far away. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Connecticut, but we're still very far away from each other. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so tell people about your classes. We're going to kind of wrap up here shortly, but tell people about the work that you're doing on a multi- platforms. You have a radio show. People can listen to you on that. Yes. So I have a radio show, Dismantle Racism. People can listen to it on Thursdays at talkradio.nyc. Or if you go to a podcast, I'm on iTunes, Spotify, all of those places as well. Um, I also offer six week courses on dismantling racism. And some of the things I deal with are, you know, what are the costs of racism to you? Um, how to get over your fear of dismantling racism because a lot of white folks are afraid of of that as well and uh there's several other topics that i talk about in there as well and i also do private coaching and work with corporations or churches around dismantling racism as well but i do want to encourage people to start by picking up a copy of the book like you said on amazon or barnes and noble and use it in a book group. Talk about it. You know, I will say that I've taken um, one of the mini courses that Dr. TLC, as she goes by, has get, has um, offered. And it's very real, but it's not, you know, some sometimes I, I hear other people who look like me say, you know, they're, they're afraid of being confronted. It's a very loving but a truthful time. And so I will attest to that and say that I got a lot out of it. And just being with other people who are questioning things that may not have come through my mouth, but there were interesting things. Right. Well, because, because people come in at different levels, Shannon. And so we have to also um, be accepting of people even asking what we might consider the most basic questions. And I just want to point out something. The class is very loving, but yes, you will be uncomfortable as well as you should be uncomfortable because I do push you. And unfortunately, Shannon, we're living in times where there are constant instances of racism. And so we had a very difficult class after the Buffalo shooting because a part of what I do, I have a Facebook group that people join as well, is I ask questions in the group to get them thinking more deeply about racism. And so by the time we come back to the class, you know, people are dealing with that. And so you're going to be uncomfortable. I don't ever want anyone to take my class and think that they're not going to stretch themselves because they would have to. But I always come from a place of love with the stretching. Well, and you don't grow if you don't get into the discomfort zone, right? That's right. That's right. And people have to confront their whiteness and white privilege. That's, that is a real thing. And so the class isn't really for those people who don't believe that racism exists. 
It's not for those people who want to come and they want me to prove to them. But I will say this, it is for people who, um, who want to see how racism exists, who deeply want to understand microaggressions, who want to understand racism hidden in plain sight. That's actually, I do a whole class on that because people don't know what they don't know, right? A lot of people woke up after George Floyd was murdered and they said, how did I not see this? So the class helps you to become more conscious about the ways in which racism exists. And so how do people find out about you and your work? What, your website or? Yes, my website at Sacred Intelligence, I-N-T-E-L-L-I-G-E-N-C-E, intelligence.com, because sometimes people confuse that. So just go to my website at sacredintelligence.com. It will tell you the next classes, tell you how to contact me if you'd like me to come speak to your organization, or if you'd like to have me to come and talk about my book with you all, I'm happy to do that. And really, this is at the heart of faith. This is what Jesus talked about, getting, he talked to people across lines of, of every kind and, and met them where they were, and then people changed. You know, I, I, once, I, I know we have to get going here, but I, I once asked a white male and he was actually on my show. And he's a person who goes to church all the time, but never thought about race until his daughter came home from school and started talking about it. And I said, how can you go to church every Sunday or often? And Jesus talks about the least of these, but you never once thought about the least of these? Who are the least of these? And he's just like, no. So I find that people go to church and they they are very comfortable going to church to hear a sermon that really doesn't deal with the issues that are going on out in the world, but maybe to help them get through their their day to day or week to week. It's that slow death of sameness, right? Slow death, yes. And you and you know <laughs> you know that I've pastored at some of those oh, I where people don't want to hear a sermon about race. It's like, well, you got to. You got to. I'm grateful for you, my friend. And we can do a whole nother uh, podcast just on the stuff in church. <laughs> yeah, we could. We could. Maybe we'll have to do that one day. Absolutely. But uh, for now, we will say goodbye and thank you again, Reverend Dr. TLC, her book, Dismantling Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out. Check it out on Amazon or Barnes & Noble and go to her uh, website, sacredintelligence.com. Thank you again, my dear friend and colleague. Thank you for having me. And thanks for listening today. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Roundhill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Roundhill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillcommunitychurch.org.